We are approaching the holy day of Yom, Yom Kippur. And the day of Yom Kippur is a day which is dedicated to, to tshuva, to, to repentance. Unlike Rosh Hashanah, which is focusing on God's kingship, it's a God-focused day. Yom Kippur is focused on human possibility, focused on our past, we reflect upon the past, and of course upon the future. So tshuva, repentance, which of course is a mitzvah all the time, every day. The Torah never directly connects Yom Kippur with tshuva. In our tradition, however, Yom Kippurim is the last day of a seret yimei tshuva, the days of repentance. It's very interesting that one of the texts that we read on Yom Kippur, towards the end of the day at Mincha, we read the Torah at Mincha and Yom Kippur, as we do on all fast days. And then we read the Haftorah, which is the book of Jonah, Sefer Yonah. And there, uh, in that book, of course, Yonah himself, the prophet who runs away from his calling, and then returns to Nineveh to proclaim its doom. And when the people of Nineveh, the king and everybody else, hears what may happen to them, they rend their clothing and they repent, and God forgives them. And the book of Yonah, at the end of the last chapter, chapter 4, Yonah is seen sitting outside the city. He's very angry. And God says to Yonah, why are you angry? And Yonah says in chapter 4, I knew you would do this. I knew you would forgive them. After all, you are a God, says Yonah, of mercies and a God who re repents of doing evil. That's what disturbs Jonah. What's very interesting is that the typical reading at Mincha time on a fast day is Moses' prayers to God and Moses is taught the 13 attributes of God's mercy and God forgives Israel and allows God's temple to be built. The Mishkan is built. God would dwell amongst the people. That reading we don't do on Yom Kippur. It's the only fast day where we don't read that at Mincha. It's the attributes of God's mercy. But in the Haftorah of Yom Kippur, Book of Jonah, we have Jonah recalling for us the 13 attributes of God's mercy. Erech God is the merciful God, but instead of chesed ve'emet, kindness and truth, or true kindness perhaps it should be uh, translated, Jonah took out the word emet and instead spoke of God who was relenting of the evil And Jonah himself, at the end of Yom Kippur, is raising a very basic question about repentance. Jonah's complaint is that God is forgiving the people of Nineveh, the evil empire, the great city of sinners. And Jonah's argument presumably is, why should they be forgiven? They sinned in the past, and Jonah may be thinking they will sin in the future. How can repentance change the past? That's the question that Jonah is in effect asking, and I suppose everyone who thinks about Yom Kippur is asking the same question. How can you change the reality of the past? And precisely what God answers Jonah is not clear, requires a lot of thought, a lot of study, but one thing is important about 
uh, one response to Jonah's question could be the following. That from a certain standpoint, you don't change the past. Three, what you've done in the past is a reality, and that can't be changed. The Talmud speaks of this when it talks about someone who forgot to say the Shema. Talmud calls it Mu'vat Ruyuchalitkon. A, a deed that cannot be undone. You missed Shema, you didn't recite the Shema, you missed it. You can't make it up. That, in a sense, is a trivial example, but there are many other examples, more serious examples. When we speak evil, when we do evil, that's a reality that can't be undone. The power of repentance is twofold, however. One is to redirect our actions in the future. Sometimes it's precisely through recognition of what we've done wrong that strengthens our resolve never to do it again. And secondly, from a different perspective, we actually can change the past. That is to say, we redeem the past through tshuva because then the past becomes a springboard for good action in the, in the, in the future. In that sense, in the sense of tshuva has an educational aspect to it. If it has an educational aspect to it, it has a covenantal aspect. By analog, I would conclude with the following observation. When that patriarch Yaakov went into exile, he goes into exile for two different reasons. One is, he has hurt his brother. He has stolen the blessing that was intended for his brother Esau. He has tricked his blind father. And the punishment for that is exile. That's one reason Jacob goes into exile. But the other reason he goes into exile is because he's sent there by his mother and his father to find a wife. His mother says, Rebecca says to Yitzchak, our son Yaakov may not marry from the daughters of Canaan, as Esau has done. So Yaakov is sent to Rebecca's house, former house, house of Ravan, to find a wife. Two very different reasons for going into exile. The first is a punishment for hurting the other. The second is an opportunity, a covenantal opportunity. Jacob does suffer in the house of Ravan. Was his experience punishment or was it covenantal? The answer is probably that it's both. But essentially the difference between a covenantal experience and a punishment is this. The experience is the same. If one learns from the experience, it becomes covenantal. If one fails to learn from it, it remains as only as punishment. So my blessing to all of us is that we should have a covenantal Yom Kippur. We can't actually change a lot of the past. But we can try to learn from the past. The first step in Shuva, the Gemara says, is hakarat hachet, understanding what we have done. Thinking deeply about what we have done. To continue all the good things we've done in the past, but to correct those mistakes that we, all human beings, make. And to strengthen that resolve not to go back there again. Not to do the same things again. It turns Yom Kippur into a great covenantal day. And it gives us the opportunity, does Yom Kippur, to strengthen ourselves in our future actions and have a positive impact on our own lives and the lives of the general community.